ticket's going to look like, you need to make sure that you get your ticket. It's December the 5th at 7 o'clock, and we've got some uh, ticket booths outside. You want to make sure you get a ticket. If you don't, I'm telling you, you won't get one. And uh, just hearing him, and it's been exciting. He's really a gifted, uh, a gifted uh, artist and ministry, uh, great ministry. So, so make sure you do that, okay? Okay? All right. For some of you that don't know me, my name is North Fletch Shoemake. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Thank you. How much do I owe you? Right. And, um, you know, some of you don't know how I kind of got to Grace. Uh, you know, you guys know Ed Control. That's my homie. That's my roll dog. And uh, we've been partners for uh, probably 15 years. And every so often I come to Grace and uh, lead probably once or twice a year. And uh, I don't know, I guess it's, it's almost nine, ten, ten months now that I've been here. Time is flying. But maybe 12 or 13 months ago, Doug asked me if I'd go to have coffee with him. And I'm like, okay, something's up. You know, not that he wouldn't offer coffee to me, but I'm like, something's up. What's up? And he asked me, hey, would you consider being a, you know, coming, coming to Grace? And, you know, I was like, mm, I don't know about that. And not because I don't like Grace, but, you know, Grace is a different church for me. You know, I, I you know, I am distinctly Pentecostal, and, I, you know, I don't want to scare anybody. Um, and, uh, and, you know, uh, and so I was like, okay, hmm, all right, well, let me just take that to the Lord. And me and my wife, we, you know, we spent a lot of time just praying, God, are you, are you in this? And then, you know, they brought the elders in, and I met with the elders at Original Pancake House, and they kind of grilled me, you know, <laughs> because I'm a Pentecostal. And, you know, they're trying to figure out what's going on here. And they say, well, you know, why do you want to work at Grace? And I'm like, the truth is I don't. <laughs> you know, and, and again, it's not because I don't like Grace. It's just that it wasn't, I wasn't looking to work at Grace. But what I was here for is to say, is God up to something? What does God want to do? And you know, the truth is, I'm not here for any other agenda but saying, hey, God, what are you up to? God, well, I'm not up here at, for the chocolate people. I'm not here for a black thing. You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> hey, I'm just trying to keep it, keep it 100. That's what they say in the street. Keep it 100. I'm just trying to keep it real. You know? I'm not here for that. I'm not here for any other thing but to say, God, what are you up to? You know, and so I'm here. And one of the things that I love about being at this church is what it presents. I love that on any given Sunday, an investment banker could be sitting next to someone who's receiving aid. I love that. I love that someone who grew up Baptist can be sitting next to someone who grew up Catholic who can be sitting next to a Pentecostal. I love that a black man could be worshiping right next to an Asian woman who is standing next to a white male. I think that is phenomenal. I love that about grace. And what I love even more than that is that And what I love even more than that is that what brings us all into the building is Jesus. Yes. He is this intrepidal force, Jesus, at the center of it all. In fact, it's a beautiful picture of heaven. It's a declaration of a tabernacle of God. Jesus said that my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations, nations, ethnos, ethnicities. So his house is a house for everybody. Everybody, for someone else who didn't know what I meant. Everybody. 
And I'm deeply honored and moved by the opportunity to do life with people that don't look like me, that don't share the same life story as me. But we can come in one place and be on one accord because of the Jesus factor. I can spend time with my new friend, Prudence Cole, and listen, we're not the same demographic. But our hour where she coaches me seems like minutes as we glean from one another and share life stories. I mean, I love the fact that I can hang out with my new friend, Bill, Bill Turner. And Bill can ask me uh, questions about being a Pentecostal. And he can share his concerns with me about me being a Pentecostal. And listen, I'm not offended by that. But it's an opportunity for us to grow. It's an opportunity for iron to sharpen iron. It's, it's beautiful. I say it's an exciting journey, an exciting opportunity. And, and listen, this is the expression of the kingdom of God being at work in our hearts. What an incredible moment that we get a chance to see the variety of shades and hues and colors and tints. It's a God thing. And it's the creativity of the ultimate artist. When you look around this building and you see the diversity there, it's, it reflects him more than it reflects us. The, it's, the, it's the creativity of the ultimate artist at work. It emanates from God, his work in us and his work through us. It emanates. This mosaic is a God thing, and it has the potential to be heaven on earth. See, when we look at our church, it's what Frank Bartleman a pastor, historian, and theologian declared of the Azusa Street Revival. He said, the color line is washed away in the blood. But I want to tell you something. Jesus is not merely excited that we are in the room together. But he gets excited when we love those who are in the room with us. See, Jesus brings us together, but love keeps us together. It's that Captain and Tennille song, love will keep us together. <laughs> Some of the young people are like, huh? <laughs> and so we're going to continue the First John series and, 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 and the, uh, 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 the one. And as I start to think about John, I can see John as he's writing. I picture him huddled around with the rest of the disciples listening to Jesus teach. Because you have to understand that John is reteaching what Jesus taught him. He's writing a letter based on the information that he got from Jesus. And John 13, chapter 34, 35 says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, I want to translate that to you for a new translation for some of you. It's called the NSV. Have you ever heard that one? It's called the Norfolk Shoemake Version. <laughs> and the Norfolk Shoemake Version goes like this. All men will understand that you really get it. That you get me and my mission when you love one another. See, the Father has a mission, and it's driven by love. The Son has a mission, and it's driven by love. The, the Holy Spirit has a mission, and it's driven by love. And now we have a mission, and it's driven by love. 
See, John desires to create a kingdom culture in the churches that he established. Remember, his letter was sent to the church of Asia Minor, and that's modern-day Turkey area, and it's about seven churches at least. And, and John wants to make sure that the culture of the kingdom is at work in that region. See, a kingdom culture is built on at least two foundational pillars. It's built on the pillar of belief, and it's built on the pillar of love. Built on the pillar of faith and built on the pillar of love. And, and faith is what I believe about God. That's what brought us in the building because we believe Jesus, right? But love is when belief has been fully expressed. When our belief in Christ really is expressed through us, love is a natural occurrence. See, remember, Paul said this. He says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and what? Love. But the greatest of these is love. See, love is the centerpiece of the church. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So I want us to, if you will, just open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to dig in. And it's really, it's a, it's a lot of scripture, and uh, there'll be some things that I'm going to skip. Uh, because as a, as, as a preacher, uh, you know, my responsibility is not, on a, not always on a Sunday morning to just teach you everything in the Bible. My responsibility is to spend time with God and say, God, what do you want people to know? God, what are you saying? And so there are some things in there that I would love to preach, but I don't think that God has asked me to preach that right now. Is that okay? Because there's a lot of stuff there. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, for me to simplify verses 1 through 6, I, I, I put it like this. Verses 1 through 6 deals with what we believe about Jesus. It speaks to what has brought us in the building. John writes, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And listen, many of us are in this building because we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he came in the flesh and he died in the flesh and he was raised in the flesh and he ascended in the flesh to the right hand of the Father. And so we are united by this truth that Jesus is the Christ. That's right. And it's of vital importance that we get Jesus right. Because it is Jesus that unites us into one family. 
It is Jesus that brings us all together with all of our differences. We must get the Jesus factor right. In fact, Doug preached about it a few weeks ago when he talked about many of the occults, the cults that are out there. The central question that you ask is, what do they say about Jesus? Tell me what you think about Jesus. And if you don't think that Jesus is God, I ain't got time. If you don't think that Jesus was fully human and fully God, then you know what? You got some issues. Amen. (laughs) Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, but, you know. And I'm really glad that we are in the room today to agree that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is fully God and fully human. He is our Redeemer. And I'm even more excited that there are some of us in the room that are discovering and want to know who this Jesus really is. I pray that you would encounter him today. So, verses 1 through 6 speaks to what brings us into the building. But I believe verses 7 through 21 speaks to how to build a healthy community so we stay in the community. See, what keeps us together is love. Love proves that we belong to Jesus. Love proves that we understand Jesus. I want to spend a few moments unfolding love, and the reason I want to spend some time here is I believe God is saying that coming under the same roof together is a great place to start, but it's just that, a start. You guys with me? See, I don't know if you know this or not, but this mosaic thing is, a, is difficult work. It can be tough. Now, it has the potential to live out the Acts church. It's the opportunity to show the world what the body of Christ should be like. We have a chance to live out a biblical mandate. But we also have the potential of many sources of conflict. There is a generational conflict. That's too contemporary, that's too traditional. The socioeconomic conflict, the spiritual background conflict, the racial conflict, the cultural conflict, the gender conflict, the preferential conflict. And how we deal with these conflicts is crucial. You need to know that when John is writing his letter, he's writing to a diverse group of folks. You have Jews and you have Gentiles. You have different cultures that were. You have people that came from pagan backgrounds. And, and now what brought them together is this Jesus thing. But uh, John's not satisfied. But he says, listen, well, I need to elevate how you love one another. Because although Jesus brings us in the building, what's going to keep us there is how we love one another. You're going to hear that repeated. I'm just letting you know. See, another way of thinking about this mosaic uh, and the difficult work <laughs> that it is, is if you're married. Marriage is the convergence of two people who have two different backgrounds, who have different ways of doing things. My mama told me, this is how you cook a turkey. <laughs> well, <laughs> right? 
I'm, I'm serious. This is how you wash clothes. And it can be an incredible source of conflict. And listen, what brought us together was this belief about marriage and sharing our life together. But what's going to keep us together is how we express that belief, how we love one another. See, love, love, love is not just romantical. I say romantical because I'm thinking uh, little rascals. Sorry. I'm sorry. Darla, I think Darla said that. Yeah. Y'all help me out. I'm sorry. But love is not simply romantic. It's not just romantic. Because in a marriage, how many of those are moments that you don't feel like you're in love? Okay, I need some real folk in here. (laughs) I told you I'm trying to keep it 100. Sometimes you don't feel it. And when I say feel, see, feelings are are great servants but, but terrible masters. So we don't live by our feelings, but sometimes you don't feel like you're in love. And sometimes, I mean, (laughs) but it's not always like that. And so not only do I have a romantic love of my wife, but I also have a, a love that is purely commitment. I am committed to you. And that commitment, that love is unconditional. See, when Jesus says that we should love one another, the word that he uses there is agape. He didn't say philos or uh, Philadelphia love, like brotherly love, Philadelphia love. Because Philadelphia is still based on mutual understandings or mutual commitments that I get something from you, you get something from me, or it's family orientation. But uh, agape is not. Agape has nothing, to, has nothing to do with conditions. Agape, if she burns my chicken, I'm not falling out of love with her. <laughs> you laughing. But I'm just trying to, you know, trying to make it a little plain. Agape love is love that has no strings attached. And so when you come in this mosaic and you experience people that have a different background than you, God is calling, calling you and me to a higher place to love them without conditions. Because there are going to be people that worship differently than you. There are going to be people that, that are louder than you. And they want to they like get on your, like, it, ushers, get this person, move them. They're getting on my nerves. And so if they don't worship the same way as I worship, then there's my condition. If they don't look the way that I look like, then there's my condition. Let me move on. because Somebody said I'm meddling. Jesus brings us together, but love keeps us together. See, last week Carl taught that love gives its life and love keeps its brother. 
And Carl grabbed the truth from 1 John chapter 3 where John says, don't be like Cain who was evil and murdered his brother. And, and after Cain murdered his brother, God asked Cain, where is your brother? Not because God didn't know, but so God would give an opportunity for Cain to tell the truth and repent. But Cain made this infamous statement, am I my brother's keeper? And the obvious answer is, yes. Cain, you are your brother's keeper. Now, the word keeper used is the Hebrew word shamar. It's a word picture to hedge about as with thorns, to protect, to attend to. It would literally be like a modern-day barbed wire fence around my brother to protect him from whatever would attack him. And we have the responsibility to put a hedge around our brothers. Because love keeps his brother. And love is going to keep us together. See, I believe that love will keep us together when we understand when we love, we reflect the Father. Y'all can turn back there, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. He says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from where? From God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Love originates with God. Now, one of the things that I want you to understand is remember that we need to understand that love reflects the Father. When we love our brothers and our sisters and our neighbors, we are simply reflecting God. It originates. Listen, love comes from a supernatural place. It's what really separates us from the world. Because they don't live from the supernatural. We live from the supernatural place, or I should say the authentic supernatural place. See, when I read the Bible, I read it through this lens. Because what I believe is that what God revealed about himself throughout history is true of God in the beginning. It's true about God from eternity's past, and it will be true about God in eternity's future. What God reveals about himself, he just simply is. God never grows into his role. He is simply God. He is always loved. And so when I read the book of Genesis, in the beginning, guess what? A loving God created, a good God created, a holy God created, a just God created, a righteous God created. When God created, he created out of love. When he created, he created out of goodness because he is. He doesn't just love, he is love. See, whenever we see a healthy expression of love, it comes from God. Even our own capacity to love at a biblical level comes from God. 
to love those that don't love back. To love those who have who don't have your story can be difficult. To love those who have offended you. But again, love comes from a supernatural place. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, in 5b, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, he has, who has been given to us. So God, by the Holy Ghost, he poured out his love. So I have, I have love in me because he, his spirit is on the inside of me. So now I have the capacity to love at a supernatural level. See, Paul in Galatians chapter 5 says this. He says that uh, when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, what's the first evidence? What's the first verse when it comes up? Love. And so when the spirit of God is at work in our life, Love shows up. So when I see people and they mistreat me and they call me out my name, I mean, I'm telling you something, when you call me out my name, we got problems. And you may be difficult for me to love. I don't care if you're black, white, you call me out my name, you use the N-word, we about to, and then I have to say, Holy Spirit, let's be at work. Because I have an opportunity Paul says, chapter 4, he says that we should walk in the Spirit. And if we walked in the Spirit, we would not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And my desire might be the Spirit of slap. <laughs> but if I walk in the Spirit, the Spirit says, love first, ask questions second. Amen, Brother Shoemate. Love can be difficult, I know, but it comes from a super, supernatural place. See, most of us come in this room and we don't have a problem loving God. But people, people can be a trip. People act stupid. They're sometimes mean-spirited and sensitive. I'm telling you, one of the worst times for me to love people is during the election season. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I have to literally shut off my Facebook because people say some dumb stuff. I mean, really, if you read the comments of anything, whether it's sports, or you just have to say, you know what, God, I need to turn that off because I don't feel like I can love them right. I'm, I'm, well, maybe it's just me. <laughs> You know, sometimes we see the worst of people. But that is why we need his spirit to fill us and to refill us in every place and at all times. So I can be empowered to reflect his glory and his beauty. As Jesus would be on the cross loving and forgiving the very perpetrators at the same time he's been perpetrated against. God, help me be more like you. Fill me with your spirit. See, God shows love when we are at our worst. And yet, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The Godhead is the perfect model of love. And listen, 
we're not called to a lesser love. We're called to love in the very same way that he loved us. Jesus brings us together, but love's going to keep us together. Love's going to keep us together when we understand that love is not complete in us until love flows from us. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So there is a reciprocal element to how love works. The Father loves us, we receive his love, and then we respond back by loving others. I mean, Jesus taught it this way. He says, listen, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, what's his commandment? To love one another. If you really love me, if you really get me, then love people. That might be difficult to love. See, I'm amazed about something. I'm amazed that there are moments in our life that we want to be evolutionists. I mean, as we're creation, we believe in intelligent design. We believe that God had intentionality. But sometimes when it comes to relationships, we want them to just evolve. Amen, brother pastor. Huh. Y'all tell, this is some good love, right? This is good love. But love... It's intentional. Love takes risk. Love sacrifice. Love, love has uh, a, a have, has a has a has a vulnerable aspect to it, and, and so I, I told you I, I had a conversation, and I, I would call this the precursor to the the a church without curtains series where we. We spend time together. And Bill Turner and I sat together, and, and he had questions, and he had concerns about me. You know, he's like, man, when you do that, that makes me feel awkward. But it's one of the reasons why I wanted to get to know you. Why? Because when you know somebody, you don't live out of the horrible imagination about them. That's love. And Bill showed some intentionality. Amen. How do we do it? We do it the same way Jesus did. In this mosaic, how can we love one another? We have to be intentional. See, Paul teaches us to know no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. And so when I get a chance to meet you, I don't size you up and look you up and down like, eh, I don't know about that. I'm not going to know you by the way you dress or your background or your pocketbook. I'm going to know you after the spirit. And I'm going to love first and ask questions second. You know, I love my wife. And because I loved her, I wanted to know more about her. I wanted to know what she likes and what she doesn't like. I want to hear her, the stories of her scars, and I also want to know what inspires her. 
Sometimes love means having a conversation. Sometimes love means sharing what you have. Sometimes love is taking the heat someone else deserves. See, I love the fact that John says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. God gave to us before we could respond. Because the God kind of love we are called to is not merit-based. It is not conditional. It loves first and asks questions second. See, I believe this, that too often people encounter our high standards of how we think they should live and not our high standards of how we should love. They encounter our positions, and, but they don't encounter our love. Well, you can't be gay. Well, you can't be this, and you can't be that. Well, you had an abortion, and, and, the, and they encounter all our positions. Listen, our positions are right. But do they encounter that first, or do they encounter someone who loves them? That they have no doubt that how they feel about them. Do they know that you would die for them? Do they know you would sacrifice for them? Do they know that you cry at night for them because you love them? It's a higher place that God's calling us. He's saying, listen, this is a great place to start. But listen, I need you to love the person in the room with you. Glory to God. I've got a few more pages and I ain't got no more time. See, y'all keep saying that, but you know, I might get a whooping. <laughs> Y'all funny. <sighs> Listen, love also means, love will keep us together. When we understand love means we don't have to be afraid. So when we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us, God is love. And, and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we, have, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. See, when I have been complete in love, I don't live in the fear on earth because I know that God loves me. He gave his best for me. If I gave you, if I gave you my Porsche, would I, would I, would I let you use my, my Yugo? Right? Hello? If I gave you the best that I have, would I be like, well, no, I'll let you drive my, my Maserati, but you can't drive my Escort. God, God gave us his best when he gave us his son. And so now I don't have to live in fear of judgment. But listen how that also translates so, or how we can also look at that. Are people afraid to talk with you because of fear of judgment? So remember, perfect love casts out fear. And so if I'm in a relationship with someone who I know loves me, then I can have confidence. 
The word confidence there uh, really means I can have freedom of speech. I was like, whoa, that's good, God. I ain't got to worry. See, the antithesis, of, the antithesis of fear is not faith, it's love. You see, even faith itself works by love. What scatters my fears is not a man's faith, but it's his love. It's not what he can do. Oh, my God. Uh, Paul, uh, uh, Carl talked about it. I mean, this guy, he has mountain-moving faith. Well, listen, that didn't scatter my fears. What scatters my fears is that, that I know that this man has love for me. And what will scatter the fears of the people that are sitting next to you is when they know that you have love for them. I'm going to move on. Finally, love means, love will keep us together when we understand love means I must love my brother. John says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from God, whoever loves God must also love his brother. To hate means, to hate your brother is to feel an intense or passionate dislike. There are people that you have this intense, passionate dislike for. God says, no, no, no. If, if that's in you, then, you know, we need to grow your love level. And, and I love this is that God's not even, even saying that, you know what, it's not enough that you don't hate them. You must love them. You must Keep them and protect them. You must sacrifice for them. You must love them without conditions. I'll close with this. Uh, I was, uh, many of you may have heard that Dr. Miles Moreau died in the Bahamas in a plane crash. Um, Miles Moreau is uh, a general and uh, one of the, the faith movement, an incredible teacher. And um, I was on Facebook when I found out about it, and I was just, wow, I can't believe this happened. And I was reading people's responses, and, you know, uh, and I came across one by this guy named Sunday Adelijah. He pastors a church in Europe. He's a Nigerian who pastors the largest church in Europe, in Ukraine, 25,000 members. And he wrote this. He says, I feel I should share the story of the first time I met him, speaking of Miles Monroe, in 1999. He and Ruth came to our ministry here at the Embassy of God, Kiev, Ukraine, for the very first time. However, a few days before the arrival, his arrival, I was down with the chicken pox. Of course, with that kind of infection, I needed to be isolated. But Dr. Miles insisted on seeing me. And when he came into the room, I asked him to stay away from me since I did not want him to get infected. But instead of that, he came right to me, hugging me. And what he said was even more amazing. He said, rub those wounds on my skin. Rub your body against my body because we are brothers. 
we are covenant brothers. We are brothers keepers. He said, let your problem become my problem. Let your challenge become my challenge. Let's share this chicken pox together. Let's carry the burden together. If we're going to move into a kingdom culture, we really have to understand what love really means. We have to say, listen, it's time to share burdens. I'm not satisfied just watching you have a burden without bearing it with you. I'm not satisfied not knowing you. And so I'm going to be intentional and say, hey, can we go out the coffee? I want to know your story. Jesus brought us together, but love's going to keep us together. So let's pray. If you will, maybe you can grab the hand of somebody next to you. Because we are one body. Touch somebody. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your church. I thank you that you've called us here together. And God, I pray that your spirit would run through our veins. That the fruit of that would be that we would love in the very same way Jesus loved us. That we would share each other's burdens. That we would celebrate one another's victories. That we would express your kingdom on this corner, in this community, to this city, to this state, this region, and this world. That they would know us by our love for one another. Father, if fear has gripped a heart, I pray that you would undo it right now in Jesus' name. And God, we cast down every vain imagination. Imaginations about the people next to us that don't honor you, God. We cast them down in Jesus' name. God, we say we are available to you. God, use us as we love one another. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Just, uh, just one last announcement. Uh, Thanksgiving Eve service is coming at 7 o'clock on Wednesday. Would love for you to be there. God bless you. Have a super Sunday. If you want prayer for anything, we have people up front. Bless you guys.